Entrepreneurs Will Save the World. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. We focus on the mindset shifts entrepreneurs make to increase their influence and impact in the world. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast. We would love for you to like, share, and leave a review of our show. Subscribe on YouTube. Most importantly, help us spread the word about the great stories being shared on our show. Our guest today is Glenn Stromberg. Glenn began his career in real estate in 1982, quickly rising to the top of the real estate game, owning and managing a Clayton home franchise, as well as owning and operating 13 independently manufactured home dealerships and running a successful fix and flip business. With over 500 homes under management spanning over four states, the Strongberg Investment Group deploys over $1 million in investment capital each month and closes on average 12 properties. Stromberg Investments offer investors lucrative passive turnkey options and long-term lending opportunities. Glenn Stromberg and Robert talk about his journey from mobile home sales to owning his own manufactured home franchise, to running an investment company which serves tenants who need quality homes and investors looking for a place to create a revenue stream. He shares his heart for the Lord and how making God the CEO of his business really changed everything. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time and just look forward to uh, learning all about uh, Strongberg Investment Group. Robert, thank you very much. And like I say, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm Absolutely. Asking me. So typically I just let everybody share their entrepreneurial journey. And I know yours goes back a little bit. And so we just would love to have you share how you got started. Just, just, uh, yeah, kind of, uh, but mine does go back a little ways now. Yeah. I look up and I go, Whoa, it has been a while. So yeah. Um, you know, I, right after I, shortly after I graduated college, I answered that out of the paper to sell mobile homes and the guy said I could make a hundred grand a year. And that was when a hundred grand was a lot of money too. And, and, uh, and it turned out he was right. I could. So I got it. I got it in the mobile uh, and I'll use the, I'll use the, the term mobile manufacturer. They mean the same thing. Okay. Mobile <laughs> manufactured home, whatever I say, it's just tie the two together. Okay. Uh, so my career, I, I started, I started there selling homes shortly got promoted to a sales manager. Then the general manager and I, we said, we can do this for ourselves. We started our own business. Uh, we grew to, I think, 13 sales centers, which is like, you know, similar to a car dealership, right? People come to your come to your place and you they buy the mobile home. We deliver it for them, all the other stuff. Uh, then I sold out to him. Uh, I sold out to him after about eight years. And then I got a Clayton Homes franchise, which that's the company Warren Buffett bought. I had that for 15 years. And then in 2006, I saw a trend happening that, you know, instead of coming to the mobile home dealerships, they were already buying the homes on land. They were real estate. And I started that model back in 2006. And so fast forward to today, we're buying homes in five states, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. They're, you know, they're, they're primarily double wide manufactured homes. They're on a half acre to an acre track of land. The typical home is probably... 15, 1600 square feet, somewhere in that neighborhood. And um, they have a deed of trust or a title on them, just like a, just like a, same as a single family home. People get it confused with mobile home parks. Okay. Mobile home parks is a great asset class. You can make a lot of money in mobile home parks, but that's not what I do. And so we're buying the existing home, 
our secret sauce is we fix it up like new, new carpet, new paint, new air conditioning, new appliances. If it needs a new roof, we're putting new everything in it. And so, so, and why do we do that? It makes it very easy to lease them out. It also makes, it pushes deferred maintenance down the road. So every one of our properties, we put a tenant in it. We keep about a third of them to 30, 33 to 40% for ourselves. We bring in investors as a lien holder. The other, the other, you know, the other, the rest of them, we turnkey to our investors. We sell them to our investors. And our, like I say, our model is real simple. We tell investors you're 100% passive. All you got to do is wire the money to the title company and look at your statement every month that the money's there. We do the rest of it. And I think currently we're pushing 600 under management right now. And so it's business is good. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's a quick overview of, of what I've done and where I'm at today. So nice. Well, and, and you did have some mobile home parks for, for a period in there. I did. I had one mobile home park and I did some subdivisions too. I did. I, I did. And the difference is the parks, you know, they, the people rent the homes in and the subdivisions you're, 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 you're dividing up the land, putting houses there, and then they're, you know, they're selling pretty much. So that's the difference between the parks and the subdivisions. Nice. Now you mentioned 2006 that you were started the, the buying land and putting a, a manufactured home on land. No, 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 well, let me correct you. The home was already there. Okay. Okay. We're, we're not moving nothing. We're just buying existing homes that were already on the land. You know, same thing as a single family home, right? If you're going in to buy one, fix it up and rehab it, and you can either flip it or, or lease them out. And uh, so we're buying existing homes. We're not buying, we're not moving nothing. We're not moving nothing. So. Nice. So, you, but you mentioned that kind of model started in 2006. What was the impact of 2008 on, on the work you guys well, were it doing? Was big. It was big because in 2006, I'm glad you asked that question. I was at, at that time, I was, I was buying the exact same homes I was doing today. And I was, I was, I was, fixing and flipping them, right? So I was probably making $30,000 per house, averaging three a month out of my house with no overhead. So life was really, really good. And then when 2008 hit, it was like someone shut off the faucet, right? It was like, uh, I always tell I always tell people, no one ever knocks on your door and say, get ready, it's coming, right? It's uh, the capital markets froze. And so, but what's funny is it turned out to be a blessing in disguise, right? Here I was, I was crushed at the time because I was making big money and I'm going, wow, this is really, really tough. Right. But we got our current model. And what I found out is now the first of every month, our month is made leasing the homes with the cash flow. You're building the equity, you know, you're building the equity over time. I believe that's the, that's the way you build real wealth. So it turned out to be a real blessing in disguise, but it was uh, yeah, when it happened, it was a total model shift. It was a total shift because I think when it, when it happened, I had 18 properties had investor notes on them. And I always said, I'd rather take a bullet to the head than not pay my investors. And right. And so I didn't have a choice. I had to learn property management. I went and interviewed property management companies, took the best of what they did. And then, you know, and like I say, it all turned out to work out great. So, <laughs> well, I think it, it turned out to work out great because you worked <laughs> great. Well, I, I didn't have much of a choice. Yes. I had to figure out, you know, you had a, I definitely had a plan B and uh, yeah, it all, it all, it all worked out good. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was an experience, right? And now it did teach me this too. Okay. After that happened, I go, I don't ever want to experience this again. Right. I don't ever want to be caught like this again. Right. And what I've learned is this, when capital markets freeze, people can't buy, right. Or they don't buy, or they're just, the banks aren't lending. Right. It doesn't matter on the rental side. That means more people are, 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 are going to the rental side. And so my, my, 
my attorney says never use the word recession proof. So I don't. But I'll say our model is extremely recession resistant because we have the most affordable house, the most square footage on the most land for the best price. So, you know, there's always, I always say this, no matter how bad things get, there's two things people are going to do. They're going to eat first, have a roof over their head second. Everything else is negotiable. Right? And then they're buying liquor at the liquor store. Well, that's probably number three. That's exactly right. That's probably number three. Yes. So that's, that's you, you, you nailed that one. You nailed that one. So. <laughs> So let's talk about the value of, of connection. Obviously, you and I met at a connecting kind of event, right. um, but through the years, what has what has having connections done for you, and how do you continue to make connections? It means everything. Okay, I heard a phrase like I I I really started. Well, I did mastermind groups when I was young. Okay, then I kind of made the biggest mistake I ever made. Said, well, I kind of got all this now. I'm good. Right. That was, the, that was the worst mistake I ever made, right? So I think it was right around 2010, I got into another mastermind group. And I, and I, I did well, don't get me wrong, but I was kind of just stagnant. Or I was kind of just level, whatever. And, and I, I started, I got into a mastermind group in 2010. And there's been times I've been in four and five at the same time, right? And there was a phrase, there's a phrase I've heard, I forget what book it's in, but your net worth will eventually become your net worth. And it's the truest statement I've ever heard. It, it just, when you're rubbing shoulders with people, you know, smarter than you. And what's the other phrase that you're going to become the average of the five people that you hang around with the most, right? Make sure they're the right five, you know? And so um, it, it means everything from a networking point of view. Um, I always say this, if I stayed, in, if I stayed in this office for the rest of my life, I'd never come up with the ideas that, you know, like someone else says, and I go like, why did I think of that? But you don't, you know, you, you need other people's input. So yeah, it, it's very important to have a big network and be in groups like that, I believe. So, well, then it's it's also the willingness to say, instead of just being frustrated, oh, why didn't I think of that? It's, oh, how can I apply that? Absolutely. And the other thing, too, a lot of people have trouble with the money side of it, right? It's not an expense, it's an investment. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, and, and that's what you have to get through in your head, right? Because Yes, some of the mastermind groups, especially the high-powered ones, they they cost a little bit of money, but it's you're going to get the money back tenfold. At least I always have, always have. So nice. So you mentioned, uh, I guess maybe not in here. You you mentioned in another conversation you and I had uh, your faith and the value of character. So as a as an investment receiver and investor, look how how important is character. It's everything, you know, I mean, you know, um, character, like, like, okay, in my business, I buy my stuff, right? But I have a pretty good amount of money. I've got, a, I've got a lending company. I've got a, a traditional IRA or Roth. And I want to invest with people I know, like, and trust. And people with a track record, right? People with a track record. Yes. So Character is number one. I don't care about returns. When someone says 15, 20% returns and I don't know who they are, I could care less. I'm not, I'm not in, <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. Right. So I want people who, you know, have been through the battles, they've got the character, they've got the track record and, 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 you know, they come through tough times, right? Like, you know, anyone who's been in the business for a while, 2008, 2008 wiped out about 75% of real estate investors, by the way. Some, somewhere that's what the estimation is right then there's been a couple other crashes before that and so 
you know, yeah, that's, it's good to be, it's good. To, you know, I want to deal with people with character who will go down swinging before they don't pay. Right. That's, that's what you want. So. Absolutely. So uh, on the line with character is, is authenticity and the, the ability to, to truly be yourself. Right. I think there's a, so a lot of people now, you know, they want to show up as Dean Graziosi or they want to, they feel like they have to, to put on airs. Right. So let's talk about the ability to just be authentic and be yourself. You know, and that's something I think a lot of people, when I was younger, I probably did that. I probably tried to, you know, whatever. And, and, and I heard, I've heard it from multiple people, right? If you're not yourself, everyone will know. Right. And I made a decision 15, 20, I'm just going to be me. I don't care. You know, I'm just going to be me. And, and if it's, if it doesn't come across polished, I, I could care less. Right. And so, you know, I, I look at it that God made us all, all, all in a, you know, he, he didn't screw up. Right. He, he, he made me the way that he was supposed to. I may, I may, you know, make mistakes and do stuff, whatever, but, but, you know, be, being yourself, being authentic, um, being honest about your mistakes, right? Being honest when, you know, when you get your teeth kicked in, you let people know you got your teeth kicked in and, you know, and so yeah, being yourself, it's, it's being genuine is, you know, to me, it's everything. And I look for that in other people too. So. Yeah. I love that. He made me the way he was supposed to. <laughs> There's no mistake there. That's a, that's a great statement. It's what the Bible says. So I believe it. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's it. So. Well, it's interesting because so many people feel like they have to play small to satisfy God. That, that that God expects us to be to be meek and and you know that, that the meek will inherit the earth right. and and people are playing small rather than believing that God created them for greatness and and playing great. I couldn't agree with you more. Well said. Well said <laughs> on that for sure. So obviously your faith has been a big part of, of your business and, and and your growth. What what has that allowed you to do? as far as contribution and, and giving back? Well, let me start with something here, because this is really, you know, kind of my story, right? Or my testimony. Sure. Or you know, I, I, I got saved in 1992. And, and like, like a lot of people, you know, I, like I said, I didn't know nothing, right? I didn't know nothing, just or whatever. And I was, and, you know, I did the best I could, but, but, and then, and then, you know, I, I was working lots of hours. And, and when I look back, you know, I was kind of, I go to church every Sunday, but I was kind of a lukewarm Christian, just was kind of, you know, just going through the motions, whatever. And then, I don't know, it was about like 12, 12 years ago or so, some guy came to my church and he asked the question, is God really first in your life? Is he the CEO of your life? And is, and is he the CEO of your business? Because it was a group of businessmen. And I was like, wow, no. And then he talked about, you know, that... Um, Oh, what's it talking? Revelation, the book, the Laodiceans, right? I wish you were hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And that scared me. I didn't, I wasn't sleeping good for about two nights. And and I just said, okay, all right, Lord, I'm going all in. Right. And, and, and in the past, I used to just jump out there and then ask him to fix things. But, <laughs> but to this day, I still get up every morning. It's in my morning goals and stuff. And I say, Lord, you're the CEO of my life. You're the CEO of this business lead me, guide me and direct me today. And I believe that he's going to, because I'm asking, right. And I'm going to say, I'm going to trust what you put in my spirit today because, and he knows I'm telling the truth from that day forward. I mean, have I made mistakes? Sure. But I've made way better decisions. I've, he's, he's, I've, I've, 
he's put me in contact with the right people when needed. And just, I, I got all kinds of stories I can tell you, but uh, you know, it's the old thing, if you will, God will, and he just wants us to ask. So that's, that's, that's what I'd say. Oh, that's so, so powerful. Um, so then con to continue on, what, what has this allowed you to do as far as giving back to the community? You know, a lot, right? I mean, you know, I, you, um, and, and giving back, I look at it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's not just money. You know, yes, we're all supposed to tithe and give to causes and help people. And, and I do that. But it's giving back. Like, I mentor a lot of young people, right? I mentor a lot of young people. I mean, you know, and like I always tell them, I go, you know, at this stage of life, it's kind of easy because I've made every mistake you can make. So, you know, it's, it's, it's easier for me to tell you what not to do, right, or how to do it. But um giving back, right? Loving. I, I think that the younger generation, they need, they need us. They need us to, to help mentor them, right? And to, to bring them along. And I've been very fortunate in my life to have good mentors, both business-wise, spiritually, and so forth. And so, so yeah, giving back is, you know, um, I, you know, my, kind of my, my motto is, is this kind of sums it up, right? Love God, love people and stay humble. And I want to go to heaven and take as many people with me as I can. That's, yeah. that's I, 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 it's in my morning goals. I read it every day. And if, you know, and I, I believe this, I've heard pastors say this. I've heard people say this, that if you really love God and love people, you've got about 98% of the Bible figured out. Let everyone else argue over the other 2%. And I think that's a pretty good statement right there. Jesus himself said it. He did. He did. <laughs> that's all. That's what we're supposed to do, right? This, these, this sums up the law and the prophets. <laughs> love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. But the part people skip is the love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. So you mentioned staying humble, but there's really a part where you have to you have to love yourself and believe in yourself at the level that God created you for. And I think that's you mentioned it earlier, right? God created you for greatness. And Absolutely. so you have to believe in that greatness to put it out in the world and and trust that I'm still serving God in my greatness rather than trying to serve God in, in meekness or hold myself back. So nobody feels offended or, you know, and it talks, the Bible talks about the talents, right? Like God gives different people, different talents. I know some people in my, in my world that have so many more talents than I do. Right. I mean, it's like, I go, Whoa, that person is just, it's crazy how, you know, how smart they are, whatever. But yeah, I believe we, we all, God gave us all a unique ability and we're supposed to maximize whatever talents he's given us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and 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 that was very clear. Jesus made that very clear too, right? The the guy that shoved his two talents under the rock is Jesus said you could have at least put it in the bank and gotten interest. That was the only one he was mad at. The other ones when they you know they 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 returned they returned the talents and he was fine with that. So yes. Yeah, absolutely. So he's saying take these talents and gifts that I've given you and use them. Absolutely. <laughs> put them to work. And that's, that's so powerful. So typically I try to ask, well, you already mentioned mentors. Um, how would, how would you recommend somebody that's interested or building their business find a mentor? You know, I always say this, um, and that's part of where, like we talked about earlier, you get in groups, right? You get in groups, use your network, people that you really admire, that you respect, you know, I, I heard it said this way, go find someone who's where you want to be and go, go ask him how he did it. Right. And, and, you know, and, and I was told to me, they said, you know, they say, 
tell them you'll work for them for nothing or her, right? You'll work for them for nothing. If you teach me what you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pick you up every morning. I'll carry your coffee. I'll drive you around, right? <laughs> and, and I really believe this in this day and time. You know, I see all these all these kids that are going to college spending two, three hundred thousand dollars a year. And, you know, if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, you've got to go to college. I get it. But if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be a real estate, you know, a real estate investment company, uh, you don't need college at all. You know, you're, you're much better. You're going to learn way more by finding that mentor. But it, it's surrounding yourself with the right people. And. And I really believe this, too. Successful people want to help young, hungry people. Right. Like when someone comes to me and says, man, I really I really would like you to mentor me. Right. And I kind of read them the riot act. I go, look, if this is just lip service and you're you're going to be lazy and not into it, I don't, don't don't waste our time. Don't waste my time or yours. I'm not interested. But if you're really, really serious about this. Yeah, I'll work with you. I'll help you. Nice. That's, that's spiritually or business wise. I, I, I just have no, you know, cause I've learned if they don't have the desire, I can't help them. I can't help them. <laughs> no, that even Napoleon Hill says it's gotta be a burning desire, right? It's gotta be something that comes from, from deep inside you that, that drives you to jump out of bed every morning. And I will say this too. That was the first book I read when I got out of college that kind of catapulted me. And it's very similar, you know, there's, I mean, you take faith, right? and a burning desire and belief, right? Well, I, I think thinking grow rich talks more about, yeah, believing yourself, but, but when you combine faith and God into that equation, I believe there's no stopping you, right? You, the burning desire and then your faith and then God will, God rewards that, I believe. Yeah. And, and Napoleon, Napoleon was a little less, Wallace D. Waddles was definitely a little more uh, direct in, in, as far as the infinite, right? The, the higher power, but they both addressed it. And, and I agree with you that God created us for greatness and he's got us plugged in if we're willing to open our minds to that source, right? That Absolutely. unlimited power source is available. Absolutely. Um, and I believe the power of the mastermind isn't just the power of how smart these men are in this room or women. It's it's a matter of how open-minded they are to sharing. Their brains will actually come up with ideas that none of them had when they got walked in the room. And that happens because because of all those people working together with the same the same goal or the same the same purpose and intention of being in the room to serve others and help others. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, and to, you know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Right. And that's that's really what it is. It, it's people who are collaborating and that's how the ideas flow. And that's. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Love, love, love that. Love seeing it and experiencing it is, is just incredible and then honoring god for 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 doing that is is so fun yes right absolutely we will be right back after this short break this episode is sponsored by the newly released book dream life planner move from tired and overwhelmed to free and empowered by noel l peterson available on amazon or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower e-m-p-o-w-e-r to dream.com that's empower number two dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. I, I typically ask how you chose your, your niche, but it kind of chose you, right? Like <laughs> it did, but you know, I kind of knew I knew people who were in real estate, and I real estate was something even when I was a teenager, I go. 
I heard someone say, make money while you're sleeping, right? And I go, man, I, I want to make money while I'm sleeping, you know? And my dad was an entrepreneur and, and he put the entrepreneurial bug in me. And I knew I knew I didn't want to work for people, I, for someone else. I, I worked for corporate America the first year out of college and I go, okay, this is not for me. <laughs> I knew that. And, uh, but yeah, so I, I was, but I did have the real estate bug. I always thought real estate was, um, you know, man, if people are you know paying you every month to live in your house. I go that 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 appeals to me. So so that was kind of so yeah, kind of it kind of worked out indirectly. But that was something, you know, I look back at it, but that was that was something I wanted for sure. So love that. All right, I'm gonna switch it up just for a few minutes. Let's talk about your your most memorable date. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> oh, there's good ones or bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> Will you tell me? You get to decide. I had a blind date one time that was horrible. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess the first date with my you know with my wife with the, you know came up became my wife. That was probably the best date I ever had. Yeah. yeah. So, the best all right. Ever. You gotta tell us about it though. It was just it was just a nice dinner at a fancy place, and it all it all went great. And so yeah, it was it was all good. So it was nice. All good. <laughs> so obviously. Your, your faith has been a big part, your character. Um, how, what role does gratitude play in your life? I think it's a big, it's a big role, right? You've got you to have gratitude to God. You've got to have gratitude to others. Um, you know, um, gratitude, it, people, people want to be around people who have gratitude, right? And thankful and, and upbeat and positive. And um, I know I do. I know I want to be around people, right? I, you know. I, I cannot stand being around people who complain. I just can't. I can't do it. Can't, I'm, can't, I'm right there with you. I can't do it for any period of time. I can be friendly and say, "Okay, I'll see you later." I, I can't do it. Right. So, but um, yeah, it, I, it, gratitude plays a big role. It plays, it plays a big role. <clears throat> so you mentioned earlier a couple, um, you know, telling telling God in your morning prayer that He's the CEO of your life and business, and a couple other routine things. What what other routines are are non-negotiables for you reading the bible every morning i mean that's you know seriously i i and it took me time to get there because to be honest you know 10 15 years ago man if i read the bible for five minutes i go okay that was good i'm out you know i was like i and i i'll say this i actually had to pray for the desire that's oh, what nice. I do, because i didn't have the desire and now i get up in the morning and i go yes i get to read i get to read the word of god and and you know i spend the I, I almost, I'm not gonna say every morning, but I'm going to say 95% of mornings, 98% of mornings, I'm spending my first hour of the day with God and reading the Bible and praying. Nice. I've got a couple of journals I read and go through my morning, my morning goals and all the stuff. And just, you know, I, I, you know, it just, it's the way to start the day without it. I'm a morning person anyway. I get up at five o'clock whether I want to or not. And so it's, uh, but that's, you know, I, dr I drink my coffee and do that. And, um, yeah, it just makes the day go by a whole lot better when you start out that way, for sure. Absolutely. So let's talk about these goals and, and goal setting. How do goals guide you? You know, goals, and it's funny how as, as time goes on, you know, I, I really don't set money goals anymore. I don't do it. I don't care. You know, it's like it's like that's just that's just going to be that's going to come with a job well done. Right. But um I, I, we, we, yeah, we're scaling my, you know, our, my company is scaling, we're growing, we're, we're, we're making more impact. You know, we, 
I think we have 150 to 175 investors now. We've got 600 doors under management with 600 tenants, and so we're growing, and it's, it's gonna we're we're planning on being a lot bigger, and and uh, you know, so yeah, that those the goals are. It's uh, you know, you, it's kind of a cool thing when when you can provide jobs. You 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 could you know we've got a lot of investors that just thank us profusely for getting them where they need to be and you know we've we've got investors done five ten fifteen twenty we've got one 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 investor has done thirty deals with us right so um, so yeah that's that, that that that's very rewarding and then we hear from our tenants all the time too you know like they, they're actually surprised they go. And you guys actually do do what you say you're going to do. This is kind of weird. We've never had this before, you know. And so, you know, we, we do what we say we're going to do with tenants and we provide them a, you know, good quality, you know, good quality house and so forth. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 all rewarding. It's all rewarding. So. Well, I love that you've got tenants saying you do what you say you're going to do. Right. That's that's the the highest level of, of testimony, um, I think. You know the, the lesson that corporate America is in the process of, of figuring out, right? In the '80s, it, the, the stock market and the changes and things shifted the the priority or the the lead role to the stockholder, right? And then and now the the CEOs have kind of gotten the, you know the golden ticket and some of those things, and so it's been the stockholders who are emboldened to the CEO to the demise of the employees. And for some companies to the demise of the client. And, and at some point, there has to be a way that, that the company can satisfy the client, satisfy their employees, and still take care of the stockholders, right? You know, like to, to, to what you just said, sometimes you'll see CEO, you'll, you'll see these uh, these guys run the companies into the ground, they leave with the golden parachute still. And you know, you go, how the heck did that happened, right? So I tell our team all the time. And I, I believe this from the bottom of my heart. We only have two metrics. We've got to exceed expectations for investors and exceed expectations for tenants. And if we do that, we're going to be great. You know, we don't have to worry about that. That's our metric, right? That's that's it. So, but but that's pretty powerful, right? Because it's easy to get caught up. That's the reason the CEOs run the company into the ground is they can fire all the employees to make sure they meet the quarterly number, right? right? Because they don't have the same interest in taking care of their employees. Or or companies that say, well, we're, we don't care about the client, which is like the worst thing in the world for if the long you, term. If you don't care about the client, it's eventually you're going down. It's, it's just, Absolutely. You know, it's just a matter of time. It's just so time. so it's it's pretty powerful to, for you to be able to show, look, I can take really good care of my clients and I can take really good care of my investors. And guess what? In the middle of that, I could take really good care of my employees and everybody wins. Everybody wins and, and, you know, we, we do well financially and everybody wins, right? That's the, that's, that's, that's how business should be. So absolutely golden rule, right? Do unto others as you want done to yourself. And just, if you think like that and you can't go wrong. Absolutely. All right. We've kind of probably mentioned it, but what inspires you, Glenn? You know, like I say, the older I get, um, you know, um, doing more for God inspires me. It really does. It inspires me to do more for God, uh, you know, use the gifts he's given me. And, and, you know, it's funny when you're younger, you, you, you know, you can't even picture, you think, well, man, I'm going to live forever. And all of a sudden, you know, the years go by so fast. Now you go, whoa, you know, and, and really when you think about it, you know, 
and I always say this, I always say this to people. And when I, you know, when I speak in public or talk at my church or give a speech or whatever, you know, whether you live 20 years, 40 years, 60, 80, or a hundred, it's a, it's a blip on the radar screen. Then it's going to be heaven or hell. So you, 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 you better think about it and get ready, right? You better, you better do what's important, do what's right. <laughs> do, do what really matters, right? That's what, that's the thing. So. You know. Oh, absolutely. Do what really matters. That's pretty powerful. So serving God. Yeah. Serving God motivates me. You know, love spending time with my kids, my grandkids, all that stuff, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, just yeah. And, and, you know, enjoy the day. Right. Enjoy the day and just, you know, take don't 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 get too high. Don't get too low. Relax. Enjoy the day. And, and you know, life's good. Nice. So what do you love to do in your free time? You mentioned kids and grandkids. Those are fun uh, things. Yeah. Um, I, I, a couple of years ago, I bought a lake house and I, you know, I went, I've got a boat and jet skis now. And so that's fun. It's kind of a good getaway. Uh, I like to travel sometimes, you know, I, I travel so much for business. I, I can't say I love travel the way I used to, but, but uh, I enjoy, yeah, I just enjoy, you know, enjoy that. And, you know, uh, very, very active in my church, serving at my church. And so, yeah, I just, all, all that stuff. It's, I'm, I'm pretty simple, really going out to a nice dinner every now and then and glad that's it. So, <laughs> all right. So we talked about play and fun, but I mean, uh, what you love to do in your free time, but how, how does play and fun play a role for your company? Oh, if I understand the question, right. You know, like everyone needs to get away sometimes. Right. And I think it, is that, is that what kind of what you're asking? Sure. Well, yeah, you know, you know, it's like if you, when I was younger, boy, it would kind of consume me, right? It would kind of consume me business and you just, you know, you, you don't, you don't relax. You don't, I, I believe everyone needs an escape. You need it. You need something that you can relax, you know, whether like say time with God, time with, you know, just, just, um, going to the, going to the lake, going on a vacation, whatever, whatever, spending time with your kids, grandkids. Um, but yeah, cause otherwise, you know, I know a lot of people who make a lot of money and they're burnt out and they're not mm -hmm. happy. Right. And that's just not a way to live. No, it's not. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit. Uh, you wanted to share some of the nuts and bolts of, of investment property and, and, and investment, you know, obviously you've, you've got a very specific right. type of home on, on, on specific, you know, specific criteria, right? I guess that's, that's your niche, right? right. Um, and the value that you can bring, because really you're still flipping them in a, in a way. We, we keep a lot of them for ourselves, bring, bring investors and lien holders, but then we, yeah, when we're turnkey to investors, we're flipping them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then those those investors are typically renting. No, no, no. Okay, I so mean, putting them out to, to rent or sell. Yeah, here's 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 what we're doing. We we are buying the home, fixing it up like new, putting a tenant in, property managing it. Okay, then we bring in investors who pay for all that, and then we pay them a return. Right? They're getting they're getting a monthly monthly you know double digit returns monthly, and so. It's a win for them. It's a win for us because we're making the money. It's a win for, like I say, it's a win for the tenant. Everybody wins. So that's nice. That's, that's what we're doing. So, and so some of those properties, turnkey, you're actually are those properties that you you sell to to invest investors that will eventually be leasing them to, to tenants. Well, no, we're, no, we're we're leasing them. No, okay, let, let me back up here. I'm not I'm not explaining myself well. Our investors are totally passive. They don't do nothing. <laughs> 
They don't need nothing. All they do is like if it's a hundred thousand dollar house, they wire a hundred thousand dollars to the to the title company. And then every month they look at their statement to see that they're they're so when we our company, we're renting the house, we're collecting the check, we're property managing it, we're paying the investor. If 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 we own the house and they're 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 a lien holder, we pay them every month a monthly note payment. So our investors just look at their statements every month. We do all that for them. So that's that that's how we do it. And then what are the you you kind of mentioned different levels of investor? So some are are buying multiple units or some are yeah, yeah some you know the, most of our investors are accredited investors right they're mostly accredited investors but you know some will buy one or two some will buy four or five some will buy ten you know some it's just it's all based on their preference and you know and and you know what they what they like and you know I you know and I tell people this and I really believe this like. Um, I don't like the stock market. Just don't like it. I don't. I, I feel like there's people who are a lot smarter than me out there. They got faster computers than we do, and Goldman Sachs and every and all those guys. I, but real estate, I feel very, very like like me personally. I diversify in hard assets. Okay, when I and I'll define it. I do like 10% gold and silver as a hedge against what potentially I think is coming with inflation and everything. And then I do 90% real estate and I invest in different, different things that I feel comfortable in. And, and that's, you know, like I said, I just like hard assets. That's what I like. And, and, sure. and my investors, you know, I've learned this, that there, it's, it's never one size fits all. Everyone feels, you know, like some people, like I personally don't like commercial real estate, but a lot of people do. Right. And so you just got to find your own. I always tell investors this. You got to invest where you're going to sleep good at night. That's what <laughs> you got to do. Right. Where you feel comfortable, where you're going to sleep good. at night. Yeah. Well, you yeah, like the funky thing about the stock market is it's just completely <laughs> randomized its values. Right. Used to be based on the assets of the company and the value of the company. And now it's just it's it's the whim of the people or the whim of somebody. <laughs> I've never understood how companies are losing millions and their stock goes through the roof. I just don't get it. But, uh, you know, it's like, well, uh, now we, and now we do these, we do these quick startup launches and they get, they get these millions of dollars for a company that's lost money five years in a row and has yet to make any money, but, but they get all these people to put in more money. And then of course it disappears or somebody buys it and you're like, wait, what? That does it. You're to me. I agree with you. I'm just saying. I agree with you. It doesn't make any it's, sense. It's like going to Vegas. It's like going to Vegas to me. That's what it is. So, I, yeah. I'm I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean it's worth that much? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. And, and I'll say this, okay. And I'll, I'm going to give you a real a real live story, okay. Back in I was it you know back in probably I'm guessing the early 2000s I was in the stock market, right? You know I was I was doing what I did, but I had a lot of money in the stock market. And I had, I had I had some of that good MCI WorldCom stock. I, I think in my IRA, I had $15,000 of it. And I woke up one morning and I saw the CEO or the, the CEO of, of, um, of, of MCI in handcuffs taking him away. The feds got him, right? I go, uh-oh, that's not good. <laughs> and within two days, my $15,000 went to zero. And I go, what just happened to my money? I go, what just happened there, right? So... What I learned was that was when I got out of the stock market. I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. That's a paper asset. I want to be in real assets, right? Like, and let's use 2008 as an example too. <laughs> I got caught with 18 houses, right? That I was fixing and flipping, but it's a, it was a real asset, right? I couldn't fix and flip them anymore, but guess what? I was able to put people in and lease them out and get them producing cash, right? So, you know, 
I want, that's why I like to be in hard assets. That's what I prefer. It was the people with the paper mortgages that, that really lost in 2008. <laughs> got, got their brains beat in. Yes. Got their brains beat in. And so, and you know, a lot of people lost in real estate too. And that's, so where. It depends on where their leverage was, right? <laughs> if, if they were over leveraged, they, they probably got killed. Right. But uh, when, like I say, I believe when you're in affordable housing, you're in the best place you can be for whatever happens. That's what I think. Well, I like it. And, and, and the fact that you're, you're still helping, you're helping people get in homes that are affordable and, and you're helping investors have assets that are protected and, 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 and reasonable. Like you said, your, your attorney doesn't want you to say recession proof, but <laughs> certainly recession resistant. And Robert, I'll say this too, in my career, which is a long time now, I've never seen an affordability crisis like there is today in America. Every, every market, there's everything has gone up so high for sales prices, for rent, you know, all the forbearances during COVID on, on foreclosures, evictions. It just, there was no inventory in the market. That's why the prices are driven up and, you know, the artificially low interest rates. And uh, yeah, so it, it's, there's just, it's never been like this before where it's this unaffordable. It's never has been. Right. Well, you know, both my kids turned, you know, of age, well, they, they're both past that point, right? They're in their 20s, but but still, two years ago, I was convinced they're never going to leave the house because they don't have enough friends to go get a place. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just rent, rent in our market, you know, in in the Denver area is twice what a mortgage would be. Yeah, you're you're you know, and, and it's funny how different areas of the country, right? Denver is worse than the Dallas Fort Worth area. I know that for a fact. Yeah, and then you know, you look at California, places in California. It's just like I don't know how people afford it. I just don't right. know. Well, and then and then the people saying there's no jobs and we've got 30,000 openings for construction, unskilled, unskilled laborers can get hired at twenty six dollars an hour. That and if you know how to swing a hammer, you can get thirty two dollars an hour. That means they don't want to work. That's right. And you and I both you and I both understand that <laughs> it's the government people that don't understand that, that, that keep buying the idea that, oh, there's not enough. There's not enough work. And like, Wait, what? Absolutely. You know, and. And we want to, everybody wants to make the entry level job now enough to support a family of four. Right. Wait, that's not the point of an entry level job. No. no. An entry level job is to get you started. Yep. And we've sure. completely forgotten and lost sight of, of that idea. And, uh, you know, for me, the, the piece that, that breaks my heart is to see people my parents age, or now my, my parents are, are even older than that, but seeing them, you know, having to work at McDonald's because of the choices that, that they made during their, and a lot of that was just bad advice or just not, you know, we have a huge tendency in our culture to outlive our, overlive our, our well, money, right? Other thing too is, the, uh, and I, I'm going to botch up the exact numbers, but the average American lives on about 105% of what they make. I think there's like there's there's like 60 I think it's 64 percent of Americans cannot go without their living check to check. Eighty percent can't can't make it if they if they if they don't, you know, if, if they miss a month's worth of checks. So, yeah, it's it's, you know, and I'll say this. I my pastor has been saying this for years and I think he nailed it. Right. And I'm sure he didn't invent this. But, you know, if you tithe 10 percent, save 10 percent, live off 80 percent, you'll have money your whole life. And I believe that. I believe that totally. And if you save, choose to save 20%, it'll actually go to work for you. 
without question. Without question. <laughs> if you can do 20, do 20. If you can do 30, do that too, right? But, uh, but, that's, but, but the 10 and 10 and live off 80, that's good sound advice. That's good sound advice. Absolutely. All right, Glenn, what's, what's the big dream? You mentioned you're scaling. You mentioned you're doing, you know, growing the company. What's the big dream? Honestly, I'm getting to the point to where, you know, I'm going to, in the next five years, I'm going to be replacing myself, right? I mean, I just, it, it's healthy for the company, right? I want the company to be my legacy. And my next big dream is I'll be in the ministry. I'll be, I'll be out there and I'll be doing more for God. That's really what I'm going to do. So, you know, oh, I'm on the, uh, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually on the board of directors for CMI. That's Eddie Wilson's ministry, Christian Media International. And it's, you know, I mean, you know, Eddie, he's an incredible guy, right? Incredible guy. Brilliant, right? I mean, God gave him a lot of talents. I, I'll put it that way, right? He gave him a lot of talents. But, uh, you know, we really do have a plan to get the gospel to the world. And it's it's pretty it's pretty exciting. We're putting TV stations in and in countries you never would believe in Muslim countries and different things. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot to do there. And that's that's kind of my next. That's my next. So, man, that's that's exciting. Very exciting. Very exciting. So that's 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 a really good big dream. Yep. Love that. All right. So you spent the last 40, 45 minutes or so with an entrepreneur and you want to leave him with Glenn's words of wisdom. What would you share? Oh boy. I'll go back to what I said, what I say to myself every morning, because this is all that's going to matter, right? Love God, love people, stay humble. I think you got to work hard too. There's only two things God can't deal with. That's pride and laziness. He can deal with everything else, right? Pride and laziness. You know, you got to do those, you know, those two things. He, he, he wants that, but the rest of it, he can do it. And, and I would leave, I would leave with, you know, nothing's going to matter, but going to heaven and how many people are you bringing with you? Nice. It's all said and done. There's nothing else that's really going to matter. Uh, your all your toys and all your money and all your stuff is not going with you. So it's <laughs> it's just not. So <laughs> so true. Glenn, thank you so much for taking the time to share with me today. I've learned a ton. I'm I'm just uh, so grateful for for you spending the time with me. It was absolutely my pleasure, Robert, and great questions. I enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for having me, seriously. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Steve Ricks and Robert have a fun conversation about play. Steve wants to transform the human experience by injecting fun into the workplace. Play is an important part of relationship development and can help companies serve their employees better, which will in turn serve their customers better, making everyone's experience on this planet better.